Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sophie. I'm Yelly. And this is She's All Fat. The podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. Welcome to the first episode of March Media Fatness. Four (laughs) weeks of movies, books, and media to close out season six. Today's episode is Dream Girls with Sid at Black Fat Queer on Twitter. If you like it or even love it, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash she's all fat pod for bonus weekly fatty film school minisodes. Before we get to the episode, last episode, Sophie and I chatted about IUDs and menstrual cups not mixing. Since then, a listener reached out and let us know that they do successfully use both. So like always, make sure to do some research and make the choices that are right for your own body. Yes. Now here's the episode. Hello, Fat Millie. I am here with fat activist and writer Sid. Sid is my friend from Twitter. You might know them from their tweet feed at Black Fat Queer. Great follow. I would recommend going over and following. And we're gonna talk about why you should hit up their Patreon later. But for right now, we are here to talk about Dream Girls, which I'm very excited about. To start off the show, Sid, please tell us a bit about yourself and what you're writing and tweeting and doing these days in a panoramic. What is going on with you? Okay, I am Sydney Sky. Currently, I'm trying to survive a pandemic. <laughs> yes. I am in esthetician school. I am freelance writing and I am trying to open up my own spa. As far as writing right now, I am working on a lesson for middle schoolers out in Oakland, California oh. about fat activism. I am just tweeting, working on Patreon (laughs) material. I'm everywhere, honestly. (laughs) So... Yeah, I'm doing a lot of things. You're doing everything. (laughs) Well, we're very excited to have you on the show. Love that you pitched us. This, by the way, anyone who is my Twitter friend or considers themselves in the fat universe, you're also welcome to pitch us a show. I encouraged Sid to pitch us an episode, and this is all their idea. So please do so, because I'm very excited about this. I never would have thought to do this episode. Dream Girls is not top of mind for me. has not been since 2006. (laughs) So I'm glad that we're talking about it. So Zed, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. Good. Let's focus on why we're here today, which is the classic movie Dream Girls. So for a brief synopsis, Dream Girls is based on the Broadway show of the same name with the role of Effie originated by Jennifer Holliday. It's about like a girl group from the like in Traxum 60s and 70s and through there. Think like Supremes, kind of like yes, a Supremes yes. fanfic kind of thing. Oh, yes, exactly right. So w- did you first see it when it came out, and what did you think of it then? And then what did you think of it now, rewatching it? Um, I was young when it first came out, and I love musicals. So when I first saw it, I was just like, Beyonce, a musical? Yes. I, I am <laughs> in it. I was really young. So, like, I didn't think too much about it. I just knew musical, Beyonce, I'm there, I'm here, let's go see it. So, me and my cousin watched that movie a million times. She's also, like, a dedicated Beyonce fan. Oh, my God. So, we just watched it and watched it and watched it. So, yeah, then it was just kind of, like, a musical that I enjoy. Watching it, like... When I started to get into fat politics, it was totally different for me. I don't know. I guess I started to really relate to Effie and just see this movie as really her story and how the betrayal of Effie 
affected everyone and how it affected everyone and like what Effie represented in the music industry then and honestly now too like it was just it was a lot yeah Yeah, it was a lot so yeah let's give a brief intro to the character of Effie Effie White played in this movie by Jennifer Hudson icon iconic loser of American Idol should have won Iconic Mm -hmm. loser. (laughs) So Effie White's character is the one who sings the most famous song Mm -hmm. from the movie. And I'm telling you, um, when she probably have heard or seen a sketch using it, people like to use it to be very dramatic. And basically, some important plot points for Effie are that she has the most powerful voice in the group. And she, Jennifer Hudson in this movie, she's Hollywood fat, but she's not, she's not yeah. really fat. She looks like a 12, yeah, 14, she's about a 12 14, maybe. It's kind of hard for me to mm-hmm. tell, but she's Hollywood fat. So she is the leader of this group. They get their big break to go sing background behind this other singer. She's unhappy at singing background. She gets together with the guy who's kind of scheming there to help them proceed in their careers. And then to move them even further along as a group, he decides to switch out Effie as the lead singer and replace her with Beyonce. And it's talked about that it's because of her look and then also because Effie's voice is too powerful, styled, like too intense. And Beyonce's character, her name's not Beyonce, (laughs) but I just, you know, she's Beyonce. Beyonce's voice in the movie is like Mm -hmm. more flexible or more like able to be put into whatever this guy needs it to be. So he initially is dating Effie. He leaves her for Beyonce and Effie goes through a whole bunch of trials and tribulations. And she also is on top of all those things. She's a very difficult person. She's like a prideful person and she's a hard nut kind of person, but it's you know, I'm sure we'll get into this more, but it's mostly because of how mm-hmm. she's treated. And then at the end, she comes back on stage with all the dream girls, Beyonce included, because Beyonce finds out that her evil husband squashed one of mm-hmm. Effie's songs and says, oh my God, I didn't know he was doing that. <laughs> and then that's the end of the movie. <laughs> Is that about it? That cover sister, it the part, because we, we just watched it, me, my mother, and my sister, the part where, you, you know, when she said she didn't know that he squashed the song, my sister was like, she knew that. <laughs> Wait, come on. She was like, she stole that song. I said, honestly, yeah, she knew that. She knew that. (laughs) I was like, yeah, we know. Dina is not an innocent bystander. Dina, Dina. that's her name. Dina. It's like Diana, but not Diana. They're like, wow, that didn't even click for me. Of course. Yeah. Oh my God. Most of the story is true about the Supremes. They, but yes. they have to like say not really because Barry Gordy sued them. Tell me about what you know about the Supremes' history. Um. Okay. So Supremes from Detroit, like me, <laughs> just like everyone at the time, had singing groups. There were one during this time of Motown. So got famous. They actually their original name was the Primettes, and so then one of the members who is named Florence, who is actually kind of represented as Effie in the movie, wanted to change the name to. The Supremes. And so then Diana Ross didn't like that name, but they all were like, okay, let's go with the Supremes. So they did. So, you know, they became more famous and whatever. But then Florence and Barry Gordy really didn't like each other much. They didn't get along well. So basically, they kind of blackballed her, kicked her out, just like I did Effie. It wasn't that dramatic, but it was kind of like that. Like she showed up and they were like, "Mm, yeah, you're out of here. And they had another girl ready in her place. But basically, Barry Gordy blackballed her from the industry itself because she didn't get along with uh, Diana Ross and because she didn't get along with Barry Gordy. So they blackballed her. So like I said, the the dream girls are really kind of essentially the same as the Supremes. It's kind of like a fan fiction. Yes. (laughs) Well... 
And also, it's very, it's an interesting movie to watch. I understood more this time, because like you said, we were younger. I was a little older Mm -hmm. than you, I think. It was in 2006, so I was 16. But I didn't know as much then. I still don't know that much, because I don't know that much Mm -hmm. about music, because I have a processing disorder, so I can't listen to music that well. But... I know more now about, like, Motown and, like, the stuff that they portray Mm -hmm. happening, like, about white artists stealing black Mm -hmm. artists' songs and about the ways that black artists had to do all this shit to cross Mm -hmm. over and, like, be popular and stuff. So that was interesting. Wait, I want to go back to what you were saying about how watching it this time, you saw a lot about, like, Mm -hmm. your experience and other people's experience and, like, current media, et cetera, represented. Tell me more about those thoughts. When I said I saw myself in Effie, I feel like... So Effie's story is about starting this group, getting to a certain level of success, and then being told to move out and move out the way for her thinner friend. Yeah. It's also about, I guess, honestly, you could also see it as a portrayal of two women, too, and how those opposite stands of society affects them both, or stands of patriarchy affects them both. Because while Dina, like, is wrong, Dina also is a victim of Curtis's abuse yes. and Curtis's dehumanization and like his manipulation, if anything. So they very much circle each other. And I think Dina had to, like at the end, Dina had to help Effie in order to, I think, herself break free from Curtis. I think in the end, she saw that yeah. her only way out and the right thing to do was always to help Effie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Effie being pushed to the back, even though she was the most talented one, which they all agreed that she was the most talented one. Yes. And still being told... They don't even argue, no. but like, that's not yeah. the argument It was like, ever. yeah, you're talented, yeah. but you're ugly, but you're not going to be good yeah. for public consumption, which this movie is also good when you start to look at, like, historically the timeline and how music changed, or, it, like, just black music in general changed throughout these times. And the scene where they tell Effie, like, Dina's going to be lead because she's better looking. Effie said, you know, well, they can't see her on a record. We finally get the chance to have our own act. And Dina's doing lead? She can't sing like I can. She's right, Curtis. I can't. I don't want to. No, y'all gonna do what I tell you to do. This is a new sound with a new look. New look? Nobody can see her on a record be able to change things is by appealing to kids and kids today watch television so dana's gonna sing the lead because you like the way she looks and we know what the look is she's like light skin thin she's beyonce like we know what the look is and that's also the irony of it is like (laughs) beyonce is the look i know it's like wow such a good like role choice i like that yeah i wondered how beyonce felt about that that like the movie also reads very much as a critique of her role today yeah doesn't it to you i think she as, would agree like, i think she i think she would i mean we don't know don't because know. she doesn't ever talk publicly we except for her which has become bothersome for me of late like <laughs> i'm like yo i love beyonce i have to remind myself i love beyonce i love beyonce but i'm like please like <laughs> can i talk to you not your publicist every day i love beyonce yes but i am curious if she feels like yeah this is my role slash like this is how white culture accepts me and maybe not like other different darker fatter black women yeah i don't know if you thought that far but my relationship with beyonce and fatness is also another episode Yes, 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 yes. I can get on that soapbox, but not today. But I still think, I think even when you look at like her father no longer being her manager soon after all of this, I think also this probably was also a part of it. Because I personally feel like Beyonce's role was perfect. I think she portrayed Dina really well. And I feel like... She really mm -hmm. did. She's perfect for the role. And it's like a slow simmer, like up to like the beginning, up to like where she is by Listen. It's like a whole arc. Listen is like that song, like, yes, I am here. Because through the movie, she is is so quiet she is so docile which is again the opposite of Effie you know Effie is the loud one Effie yeah. was the quote unquote diva you know you could tell when Effie was in the room oh the time has come for my dreams to be heard they will not be pushed aside and turned into your own all cause you won't listen
Okay, so back to Effie. One thing I found interesting when I was researching this is that Jennifer Holliday, who originally played her in the mm-hmm. musical, she gained a bunch of weight when she was playing it on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And then after that, all the people cast as Effie were not always fat. Mm-hmm. But that's like, I think some of the dialogue about her being larger was like added for the movie. So it's interesting to me that Dreamgirls already, as we talked about, has this real life parallel with like the story it's based on Mm -hmm. about the Supremes and then that's another way in which like a fat black woman's like body got built into the show is like literally the character became fatter because Jennifer Holiday got fat. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. Like if you think about it, because she represents black society trying to fit into white society. Like, cause really Dina, yeah, she's skinny. And yeah. so there's so much space she can take up. But you know, Effie not gonna take up no space. They're not gonna let you fat and black. No, you're not here. You're fat yeah. and light skin. Hmm, we'll let you perform for us. But you're fat and black? Yeah. No. No. So yeah, it's very much like she would never fit into white society or mainstream. Like even now, like Lizzo's barely fitting into mainstream. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about Lizzo. Let's talk about this Lizzo comparison. Mm. Okay, so there's this article that we were looking at about Lizzo and there was some backlash. I was like realizing when I researched this, I was like, I have missed so much of the cultural conversation because I have been off social. So the only things I see about Lizzo are her TikToks. That's all I see. But apparently (laughs) there's this whole thing about how she drank smoothies and people were mad, which I learned about in this article. All I see are her dance videos currently. So this article, which we'll link in the show notes, it's from Bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's called Lizzo, Body Positivity and the Impossible Expectations for Black Women's Bodies. It's by Tressie McMillan Cottom. And I think it's like a really interesting look at the way that people, like basically the article is arguing that now that there's a fat black woman in mainstream, she's expected to be a perfect quote unquote body positivity person. So she's only allowed to be fat in in the public view if she's performing self-love properly, which 10 years ago, she would have only been allowed to be in the public view if she was performing dieting correctly. I think you know? she's more so only allowed to be in the public eye if she's making everybody else thinner feel good about themselves. I think uh-huh, it's less yeah. about the body yeah. positivity for herself and more about making everybody else feel good about their body, personally. And if you're not doing that, yeah. then it's a problem. Because I saw early on in Lizzo's thing, more so with like non-Black people like mammifying her like in a way like ooh she's our savior type of thing yeah and so it's progressed more and more online especially even in like fat spaces and I'm just like ooh so when I saw cause like you at the time when it happened I was just like uh social media I'm tired I don't care like, like, I don't even want to know what, what today, this is about what today every day I'm like what yes. today so I kind of found out later and I was like oh I was taken back and I kind of sat with it and I still do yeah. sit with it it was weird it made me feel weird but I don't think she did anything wrong. I mean, we're not even debating that. We're like, Lizzo can do whatever the fuck she wants. We're not even going to talk about it, like, in that way. Yeah, it's like, again, the uncomfortability for me is more about, it's a lot of feelings. Let me say, it's like a layered feeling. Like, I feel sad because I'm like, if if this is the truth, fuck, that's fucked up. And I, I feel sad. If it's not true okay, then it just is what it is. But it just made me feel sad because even if she's not dieting, whatever, it's still, I know that pressure is still there, I think. So it's just, she can't do anything. It's like she can't even drink she a smoothie. She can't do anything. Like, anything. You, you can do a think piece about <laughs> think her piece. saying she wants to drink smoothies for 12 days. Like, who cares? Usually, like, what, what would you do if one of your friends is doing a smoothie cleanse? At <laughs> most, you text another friend and go like, can you believe Lizzo's doing like, you know, say Lizzo's <laughs> yeah. your friend. You text your other friend and you go can you believe Lizzo's doing a juice cleanse anyways that's like that's it at the most I'm like that's why I say I was like oh that's weird (laughs) and I was it I just yeah oh okay (laughs) that's weird okay whatever exactly yes it was so emblematic of this thing we're talking about with the way for Effie her whole career is upended because of a white public's Mm -hmm. perception of who she is and not even by rejection from that white public it's ended by a black man interceding before yeah. The white public can even have mm-hmm. that perception because he, he knows. knows how they that will react. Profitable. She doesn't even get a chance yeah. to go in front of them because he's like, no, they're not going to yeah. like you. And we see 
grief. That's one of the sad things about the movie is that like at the end, they just perform together, but we don't really see Effie get a record deal. We don't see her mm-hmm. get popular because those things aren't like that's, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that we see in the movie about racism is obviously extremely right. real. Like we see how Eddie Murphy's character, see, I can't remember mm-hmm. character names. I can only remember oh, the actor's uh, names. Jimmy. We see yeah. how he's rejected. Yeah. Jimmy, we see how he's rejected <laughs> by the mm-hmm. white audience. So we believe it. We, meaning like uneducated white viewers, <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's believable in, in the world mm-hmm. of the film that this idea like, oh, she's not going to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And that's like, wow, I think a lot of white people, especially viewing the movie, would be like, yeah, but that's like the 70s yeah. or 60s or right. whatever. But then we like come to here and we're talking about Lizzo. And it's like, really, how different is this? Because this it's just it's mm-hmm. a different version of all of these needs and need for mm-hmm. control over an mm-hmm. image being projected onto a different right. fat black woman. Yeah. Like even when you think about it really, the villain that you don't see but is there is whiteness like it's there in every yes. step of the way of the movie because like you say even with the gym because curtis is fucked he's fucked <laughs> up but he's right i mean you he's know? supposed to be playing you know who not gonna let him sue you but you know mm-hmm. who who was a mm-hmm. motown yes. yes so yeah absolutely yeah. like diana ross even talked about being forced to like have eating disorders like because that just was it yeah but the overarching like villain is white supremacy and when you talk about jimmy the one who overdoses he talks about in scenes his stuff being like co-opted and he was like i started that like you know i started wearing you know the sequence on the jacket and you know falling out on the floor like he says that and while he's watching tv yeah he's pushed to the side and now it's co-opted by white artists when you think about white rock and roll artists especially major ones they co-opted that shit like from generations ago like even the vulgarness now like rock and roll was looked down upon like ugh, like that's that's negro music like no so yeah so that also was a part of jimmy being pushed aside like so many artists we can't even name countless ones who lost their lives to rejection and being forced to take drugs and being victims of addiction and poverty like effie who when she's pushed out she also has an alcohol addiction and so then I think drinks through her money she says I think she said she got paid a half a million and she drank through it yeah she's like I went through half a million in two years or something and you're like oh my god yeah and we meet her like I think (laughs) in the welfare office too so it's pretty clear like she now back in poverty and so you see again how when you're blackballed from industry and when you are tossed to the side as a black artist or even as a black person especially marginalized people like black women when they're done with you well bye like well you know we're done using you now so I think Effie's story yes. is just really sad, but I think Effie's story also represents what happens when white people get a hold of black music, the effects of that too. And the effects on like real artists yeah. like Effie who aren't given space, who aren't applauded, who again, names we don't even know, like Florence, who was the real life quote unquote Effie, who also died from this and being blackballed yeah. and bullied and pushed out. Also was told like Effie, like you gained too much weight. Like what's his name? You know who said that to her too. So yes. it's, it's real. And it when you really just start to look at it, it's sad. And it has so many layers, just so many. Yeah. So a lot of what you're saying is really, again, it's like really echoed in this Harper's article. I'm going to read a couple quotes from it. So again, this is talking about Lizzo and the way that people put a lot of expectation on her. Here's one quote. Lizzo's body is a theater for our culture's appetite for a black woman image that will assuage our deep disgust with actual black women's bodies. And then the other quote I wanted to read was body positivity elevates a black woman's corporeal reality to a political roadmap for non-black others to work out their relationships with whiteness. I read that sentence like five times because I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I, have my, I have my qualms <laughs> with body positivity. Like, I've been way more radicalized this year. And so I'm more firm in thoughts where I'm like, hmm, that doesn't, hmm. I'm like, no, that that's it. That's what it is. So, like, as far as body yeah. positivity, I feel like of late, it's become such a capitalist, like, branding tool for, like, companies and influencers and, pe- like, it's just no longer what it was. And so I also see the mammification of fat Black women in body positive spaces, like, mm. or even fat spaces, you know? And so when you don't yeah. perform to uplift these people and do this work that they, this labor that they want you to do, then it's an issue. It's a problem. Yeah. 
Well, that's another aspect of Effie's character that I wanted to talk about because she is, she's very mm-hmm. difficult. She's not mm-hmm. just a like sad, shy, maligned yeah. person. She's like, no, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like I am the best. She's difficult because she insists that she's the best and she is, yeah. you know, Unfriendly I mean, there's hiding. like, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me slightly uncomfortable to call her difficult because half mm-hmm. of what she is, is just asking for what she deserves, Mm -hmm. that there are aspects of her behavior that, you know, the other people in the group criticize her for not showing up to rehearsals. Well, we find out later (laughs) that's because she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's late to stuff and she demands things, which are difficult, but not things that aren't expected. Yeah. Like the best singer in a group, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, she sings a song called, like, I'm Trying to Change. Yeah. And I was like, that's my least favorite part of the movie. Because I was like, she's fine. What is she changing for? Like, okay, so when I, like, when we first meet Effie, she's running late. So, yeah. Yeah, like, she was running late. She complaining about the outfit, the wig, which I was like, wow, I see myself, but okay. (laughs) I feel personally victimized, but okay, sure, why not? And so I'm like, maybe the dress is not working for her. Like, okay, whatever, but okay. I was like, this sounds familiar, but all right. So, yeah, she's difficult, but I think also there's a sternness and like protection to Effie because even when you first see the scene later in the scene she protects Dina from being sexually assaulted backstage and so while we're like oh she's so difficult she also was some kind of like protector for them because she wouldn't even agree well that's why the guy doesn't mess with her because of her persona whereas he feels like he could mess with Dina yeah for sure and they all saw her like that even when Curtis offers to be their manager they were begging Effie like please agree please agree because they know Effie was the voice of reason they know Effie was not going to take anything and she wasn't in a Essentially, she was going to. She wasn't going to do it until Curtis honestly manipulated her. But yeah. she was just firm. I think we're also not used to seeing that firmness and like being like no, you know, and setting a boundary. Yeah, I wonder how much of it is related to this article we were just talking about with this idea of like white expectations or like a, a larger white audiences mm-hmm. like putting on to performers something. Because yeah. even at the beginning, I mean, she's not famous yet. Then yeah. she's just like putting on airs yeah. for who she. <laughs> Yeah. you know but like even then she knows who she is she mm-hmm. knows she's darker skinned and fat and the powerful voice and so some of it I wonder if it's like self-protection from that from like yeah. she knows she's gonna get criticized mm-hmm. you know what I mean like yeah. she knows it's like a protectionist from that as and well she, yeah, because she doesn't from, have the things that allow Dina to be soft right and she's from Detroit they're from Detroit this is during like Motown this is Detroit so like frankly I know a lot of people that look like and talk like Effie <laughs> just flat out like that's just literally that she's from Detroit. If she's from Detroit, that is how they be talking. <laughs> so like that is definitely not shocking. Even later in the movie when her neighbor, I think, tells her like, you're stubborn just like your mother was. Yeah. So when we get hints of things about why Effie is the way she is and when I hear like I'm changing, I felt more so like this was Effie finally taking down those walls and trusting people again. to some of your tweets, some of your writing on twitter.com. Yes. I was like, oh my God, what did they look up? <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, which ones? I, said, I was like, I've said so many things. Here's one thing. You did a really interesting thread. You didn't flesh it out too much, so I'm hoping yeah. you can do so here on the pod with us. Okay, I'm just going to read this tweet. So talking about the Lizzo thing we talked about. So mm-hmm. you quote tweet, 
a tweet that says, this is literally zero shade towards Megan and there should be no blowback on this, but the way y'all dragged Lizzo for drinking a smoothie, but Megan is literally doing a 12-step health program that she's actively documenting for her followers, dot, dot, dot. Okay, again, I haven't been on Twitter, so I assume that's <laughs> Megan the Stallion. Is yeah. she doing some sort of program? Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So you quote tweeted that tweet and you said, they never get on any of the girl... Oh, God, you better read this. I'm going to okay. sound so white. Please read this tweet. <laughs> I think I said basically they never get on any of the rap girls for their participation in diet culture and fat hate. And I also said, though, that thin black women, though, still deserve some space because they're black women. And so our bodies are extremely policed thin or fat though they are policed in different ways yeah they're still policed so while i get that megan is doing this i also had to sit again i'd be having to sit with myself a lot because i tweet a lot of stuff and i'm like but i was like okay but look (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah but it's like people love her for her body not saying that's the only thing but that's a part of her appeal yeah and i would even say maybe a little bit of her brand please don't tweet me (laughs) i love her i (laughs) love megan oh yes don't worry i love the the fat has your back don't worry we got you listen (laughs) so yeah she's policed because i mean megan's body is still fat in certain places and it's still not fit for white society to some extent oh yeah for sure i mean she gets called transgressive and all the time because Mm -hmm. especially because she is extremely sexual in her music and her videos yeah and her body is is like you're saying it's like curvy's the wrong word but like she's not yeah my girl got body you know I don't know how much space black women in general are given to be insecure, especially publicly, or embrace themselves. Because also why Megan does embrace herself, you see what that gets back. It gets misogyny. It gets being hypersexualized, yeah. which also yeah. is a part of white supremacy, being hypersexualized because yeah. you got a fat ass. Ooh, like It's just it, yeah. dehumanizing. And I, I give her space because, again, if she gained weight, folks would have a fit. It also, it's just on brand for her. Like, a lot of female rappers, thinness is just their brand. And only because, yeah, you know, rap is about talking your shit. But, yeah. Tell me about that part. So, you said, like, rap girls get, like, less Mm -hmm. hate for promoting diet culture than what then like singers or then like pop people what i meant from it was specifically i was more so talking about like the black community because i really yeah. don't care about what now black people think about black hip-hop like i just <laughs> I, I don't care please fair, again, don't, yeah please don't add me again i just don't care to hear it. are you kidding if any white members <laughs> of the family are likely to at you they're likely to be like what's your venmo queen <laughs> at? thank you for telling yeah. me <laughs> like non-black people in hip-hop i'm just like mm, i have a headache already yeah so hip-hop yeah. in itself is <laughs> about talking your shit and I get that it's always been I'm gonna say always been about that but it's mainly been about talking your shit that's just culturally what black people like to do that's just like what it is and so female hip-hop also has always been about loving your body even when we talk about Queen Latifah like this is just it this is what it is you know but I'm more so talking like when we see the praising of thinness and like female hip-hop it's more so about flaunting it's about flaunting wealth and also power that comes with that desirability like you know everybody want to fuck me that's that power that's that that's talking and i get it but again when we start to say you know i got a little waist and this and this you know it does revolve around thinness because thinness is a representation of wealth it's a representation of power it's a representation of a fantasy that other people want because you know a lot of the girls that's it like you want to be me you want to fuck me and it's like yeah that's a power and that's cool too you know and that thinness is also a part of that capital that they have and it's about flaunting that and again I love them I have qualms with them but generally you know I love Mm -hmm. them I love to see it I don't want anything bad for them female hip hop has come a long way I love them all but I also again they're also allowed to love themselves so I don't want to make it feel like you know all they do is talk about their fitness no definitely yeah they're absolutely this is a a cultural critique yeah yeah it's just it was just me and my fellow negroes like "Mm, y'all you know (laughs) like mm, but yeah you know what it is like mm. yeah even Lizzo does it and only because Lizzo is fat does she talk about her fatness is it like you know yeah Yeah. you know this this is about my fat ass so yeah like other rappers do it too it's just a thin line I think they walk between the praising of thinness and the praising of just themselves and their black womanhood and their bodies Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it to get 30, 30, get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, I want to touch on another of your tweets before we wrap up. Okay. Okay, you tweeted on January 13th, 2021 at 1.34 a.m. 1.34 a.m. Wow, okay. Yeah, sounds about right. It sounds about right. (laughs) You tweeted, uh, fat hate is the building block of our entertainment in the U.S., Fat hate is just so deeply rooted in the fabric of our media, but let us not forget this is because of anti-blackness. It was fat black people who were first made into fat trope and caricatures, which is very true as all the people know who read our book club book last season by Sabrina Strings. So let's talk about <laughs> fat hate and dream girls and mm-hmm. yeah, your thoughts about that. My thoughts about that. I think dream girls needs to be analyzed more. I think yeah. dream girls is a fun movie. So you kind of enjoy yourself. But yes. it needs to be analyzed more. There's just so many layers here to Dream Girls, I think, that deserves to be peeled back. I think Dream Girls is very much a good representation of what it's like to be a fat black woman, to be pushed back, to be told to wait your turn. As they say, wait your turn, yes. SC. <laughs> yeah. To be told that, yeah, you're talented, but you don't look like her. So you need to step back and let her shine. Um, I think it's a good representation of what happens when desirable women don't speak up. Because what would have happened to Effie if Dina was like, no, I'm not going to take Effie's dream. No. What if her brother said something or anybody? I think it's a good representation of how being desirable isn't isn't a completely safe position. Because again, like I said, yeah. while Dina is desirable, she also was a victim of abuse and manipulation and being used yes. as a tool or a product like Curtis calls her to her mother. Yeah. There's also just so many dynamics. Or even if you look at it just historically, just about the many Black musicians and having to keep up with the time and in the social climate that they were in at the time because the movie does like touch on a lot of like major events like the Detroit riots yeah watching that this time I picked up on that I, I think yep. the first time I watched it I was like huh and then this time because she basically all they show is like they show yeah. a couple newsreels and then like Effie walks outside and there's like people running by breaking yeah. shit and I think I didn't know about the Detroit riots when I first watched it so I think I must have been like what okay but they don't spend much time <laughs> on it riots. you know one of those yeah I was like what's going on well I didn't even think of it as a 60s riot I think I remember mm. watching it and being like I don't understand what's going on because they don't like <laughs> explain it really yeah, the context they just go was, back to the movie <laughs> the context was like Motown was open during the riots like his name who should not be named was had Motown yeah. open during the riots so that's kind of like a, a cultural context thing but also yeah. during the scene it was they were singing heavy and it also was getting heavy in the room like the tension was really tight so yes. her busting out and then like having a breakdown because it's like comes to the boiling point so yeah, yeah. it's really good yes uh. take 30 heavy heavy Where do you think you're going? You're a liar, Curtis. Watch your mouth. You're sleeping with her and everyone knows. when they go back and show Effie on the bus, those are real scenes from Detroit at the time. Some of those buildings are torn down like right now, but then it was real buildings of Detroit, my city. It also just showed, just showed the transformation of Detroit as well 
from Motown being this super busy, booming city to after Motown, after the riots, the effects of the riots, how poverty hit and how these buildings were treated and also the downfall of Effie along with it. And more so again, just like this, yeah. she just very much represents black society. Like she's yeah. not welcome in white society. She's darker skin. She's fat. She's poor. She has a fro. She has natural hair. Like all these things are things that keep her out of that part, keep her out the mainstream. So it's very much the pushing of black culture and pushing away from who you are and your roots and black music, actual music. Like that's what the problem was Cece had was that Curtis was taking the soul out of music when essentially really that yeah. soul was honestly Effie's. Effie was the soul of the sound of yes. the group. So when you took that away, it very much didn't have a soul. It didn't have any feeling. That's why the end still feels so sad. Because it's like, I, the she gets to perform with them, but it's not, I none of those problems are fixed. She's not yeah. going you I don't know. know. It's so sad. When I saw it, I definitely cried because there's a sadness there. But I also am like, wow, Effie finally gets her moment. Like it's and it's messed up because, like you said, you don't see anything else. You see Dina apologize, but okay. Yeah. You still you see Cece write her a song, but okay. Yeah. And she well, they weren't yeah. really because of who's the real enemy in the movie, mm-hmm. which is like At the, the white the audience yeah. in that club. Yeah. It just continues, right? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. not Dina and Cece weren't. They were acting the way they acted because. Because they're trying to figure out what to do, Mm -hmm. you know, and how to perform and how to move forward. Like, they're not really the ones who owe Effie an apology. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's bittersweet. It's sad. You know, there really aren't three dreams. There are four. And we're all here to sing that song for you. Effie. His own special dream, and that dream's just about to come true. Life's not as bad as it may seem. If you open your eyes to us in a front of you, Okay, so there's this interview with Jennifer Holiday Again, mm-hmm. original Effie. I'm going to read this quote from her. She has a specific weight mention, so I'm not going to read that part, okay. but I will read the rest of it. She says, I had just been dropped by Geffen Records and didn't know what I was going to do with my career, and I just kept gaining more and more weight. I ballooned up to blank pounds. It was the age of videos, you know, we had just started, so they said, well, Jennifer, you can sing, but you're unattractive, so if we make a video of you, we'd have to stretch you or put you in a shadow box and put people around you. And that was the 80s, so Dan music was coming up all this kind of stuff so they were like you know we can't make videos with you so you got a great mm-hmm. voice but no use for you so they kicked me to the curb yes wow so like mm-hmm. even her even in her real life that followed her and this is a story like the same issues and this is such a good story for so many fat black singers like if you gain yes. weight it's like mm, no soon after you're gonna have to lose it or we're gonna be pushed yes. over here the final note i want to make is just that like you said i don't think this movie is talked about enough i don't think it's talked about enough in like current fat media criticism mm-hmm. because it is so revelatory of all these things we're talking about mm-hmm. and it is like very real in these ways when it came out the world was not ready for many of these conversations yeah, and right. that is seen by the ways that It was talked about. So I have two quotes from the New York Post and from the New York Times. Okay, this is how the level of fat... I'm not even getting to the level of, like, racial discussion, but the level of fat discussion, <laughs> uh, this is where we were, okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. So this is the New York Post. Columnist Jeffrey Wells says, she's about being hurt and being pigeonholed and cast aside, partly because her character is a pain in the ass, but also because she's not fat, but she's large. It's like, you can't even, if you can't even say, <laughs> like, that we can't even have me. the discussion. 
No, no. And, I, and <laughs> right? that's why I walk away from discussions where I'm like, you can't say fat. Okay, bye. See you. Yeah. I'm like, is she a pain in the ass because she's black and big? Or is she actually a pain in the right. ass? Like, she was a pain in the ass sometimes. But I'm also like, look at the, yeah. like, when she was a pain in the ass, it was because Dina was sleeping with her man. It was because y'all were yeah. pushing her to the side. Yeah, she was late once yes. or twice. It was because she was pregnant. Like, the group felt like they didn't have a problem with her until Curtis came along and was like, ooh, no, you're a trouble. And everybody was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're She's right. trouble. She's, She's trouble. holding us back. Yeah. Also, we have to look at, like, how we're obsessed with, like, fat black women being the good character, the one we like, yes. the nice one yes. who's like, yeah, no, we, we don't like Effie all the time. Okay. That's fine. We don't like Effie yeah. all the time. We don't like anybody all the time. Shit, I don't like myself all the yeah. time. But she's allowed to have that. And we're we also have to look at why she acted the way she did at the time as well. Like her coming in late and complaining, yeah, yeah, yeah girl, come on, we have to sing. Got you. But yeah. like her tripping <laughs> out, being late for rehearsal, or when she says in the song, I got pain. Everybody, Effie, we all got pain. It's like gaslighting yeah, yeah, her. Yeah, I was just thinking about that moment. And she's I was like, she's pregnant. She's pregnant. <laughs> See, like, they're gaslighting her. Like, yeah, girl, we all yes. got pain. It's like, no, yes. I am pregnant. <laughs> but yes. they never asked. They never said, oh, really? What's wrong? Or, hey, Effie, where you come from? Where'd you go? Like, they didn't care. It was like, Effie a bitch. Yeah. So, of course, she's late. Of course. Yes. It's not, well, maybe Dina's sleeping with her man. Maybe she's pregnant. You know? Now you watch your mouth, watch your mouth, Miss Effie White. Because I don't take that talk from no second-rate diva. Effie is a different fat character. I don't know if the original writer intended for that, but she's very much a different fat black character that does make you I feel agree. uncomfortable, that does make you look at and actually examine a fat black woman and, and look at that pain and be like, wow, like they really made her go to the back. They really just said they don't care about how she feels. They really was like yeah. fired her in the middle of a rehearsal. Effie is a strong character and a famous character for a reason. I think she echoes a lot of like, not even just fat people, a lot of like our wants and want to have time and have our time and our will to fight. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And also like that's, what you're saying about her is the re was one of the reasons why I felt so defensive of her when she mm -hmm. first was singing I'm Changing. I was like, everyone was so mean to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're just being, take care of yourself, you know? Yeah, understandable. Like, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Effie, needed, Effie needed to put away her pride, ask for help. That's why she said in the song, like, who said I could do it all or I could have done it all alone? I think this was yeah, the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was it. Even her going to the older manager was her, like, okay, I do want to sing. I do need people well, in my life. it's clearly a defense mechanism yeah. at that point because mm -hmm. why wouldn't you act that way when that's right. how you've been treated? Exactly. Like, why would you continue to be vulnerable if right. that's how you're treated? You know, like, mm -hmm. why? We saw what happened. Everyone abandoned her. So, mm -hmm. she's not there to be <sighs> likable. She's there for a reason. She's there to sing. <laughs> well, <laughs> there to sing. I mean, I find her very likable as a character. Like, I find her very, yeah. you know. I think yeah. we wrestle with ourselves. When I say likable, I mean more like, oh my God, I love Effie so much. It's like, you know, she it's just parts of us that are like, ugh, like coming late and then complaining. Yeah. It's like, oh, here come Effie. Yeah. But we all know like, yeah, here come Effie, but here comes Effie. Yeah. Like, yeah. we still need Effie. We know how she is. Whatever. She'll get over it. And she yes. got over it and now she's holding hands with uh, Dina. Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess what we're saying is that in general, fat people and Hollywood should revisit Dreamgirls. Yeah. This is what we're saying. Yeah. There's a lot to say about and it. And pay fat black people to talk about it. Non-black yes. non people should not be getting paid to talk about Dreamgirls. There's a lot of fat black people who need work. Hire them. I yes. being one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, perfect segue. Yeah. Perfect segue. Two, we want to make sure to promote your Patreon. So I think your handle on Patreon is the same as your Twitter. Mm -hmm. It is Black Fat Queer. You have so much cool stuff over there. Can you tell people a little bit of a preview of what they'll get if they sign up for your Patreon and where else you want people to find you? Right now, I am doing a lot of like graphics. I'm doing a lot of like 
iPhone covers, quotes that I write. I posted a presentation actually about the mammy trope in entertainment and the roots of that, which is really good. It's from yeah, the talk. I saw you posted some of it on Instagram. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. 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 So when I talked about like fat hate being the building block and fat black women being like the original caricatures of this, I talk about it there. So yeah, there's a long history with that yeah. that I'm really proud of. I recently did a video with Kinga Reed. That's on my Patreon. Cool. Yeah. I put a lot of poetry up. I'm just kind of like, we're in a quarantine. So I'm just like, whatever comes, I'm just going to do it and post it. <laughs> a lot of fat, fat pasta. A lot of just like, whatever I feel. I'm like, y'all tell me how I feel about this. A lot of just stuff. So... <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Well, I highly recommend subscribing. I'm going to. So yeah. So where else can people find you on the web? And what else do you want them to know? You can find me on Twitter at Black Fat Queer. On Instagram, it's Sid Sky with two D's and two Y's. And if you would like to hire me for speaking engagement, writing, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you can email me at sydneyskyg at gmail.com. Perfect. We will put all that in the show notes as well. Sid, thank you so much for being here with us. This was so fun. This was fun. I had a great time. I learned so much. I thought about so much. I'm so now happy. I have a whole, now I feel like <laughs> I need to watch it again and think about everything you said. Yeah, like, uh, it's going to be like, wow. It's going to be emotional. I was like, <laughs> this is too much. This is my life. Oh, boy. Well, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for being here. And do you want to say bye to the family with me? Thank you, and I hope you guys have chill vibes only. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the episode. And here are some of our beloved patrons. Thank you to Aaron Michelle Stubblefield, Megan Powell, Kate Elliott, Jennifer Cooper, Rebecca Bassel, Rose Papas, Adrian Van Halem, Bridget Waldron, Cecily F. Blondell, and Katie Peterson. We could not make the show without you. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Kahn, and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions at fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 213-375-5023 and we might even play it on the pod. Our episode ads are done in partnership with Acast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at acast.com. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish and our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Lynn Barbera co-produced and edited this episode. Yelly Cruz is our magical junior producer. Our thin crony forever is Maria Wirtel. I'm our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe. We love you. I'm just like, this is a nice bop. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.